Do you have a colicky baby? Does it seem that no matter how many lactation or sleep consultants you talk to, that your baby just cannot sleep or eat without crying, discomfort, and struggle? Does your baby or child snore, have emotional regulation problems, or seem to always be cranky? If you've said yes to any of these, your child or infant may have a tongue or lip tie and likely has restrictions throughout his or her fascia of her body. On today's episode, I get to interview Lori Hendrickson, CST, or as I like to call her, the baby whisperer extraordinaire. Lori takes us in this episode through the different signs of an infant or child with tongue or lip ties, what common practices in child rearing are possibly harming your child's fascial development, and how you can help your child go from struggling to with the simplest things from eating and sleeping to thriving in their health using craniosacral therapy and fascial stretching. As a craniosacral therapist myself, I love this interview with Lori. It is packed full of juicy information, and in it, Lori also talks a little bit about how you, the mother or father of your child, can actually do something, do stretches yourself to help your child have a happier and healthier time in their body. Lori has been specializing in pediatric craniosacral therapy since 2001, and since her work in 2001, she has developed some really unique techniques and skills that can be passed on, not just from practitioner to practitioner, but also practitioner to parent. If you are interested in more ways that you can help your child without having to go to another therapist or specialist, Today's episode is for you. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. Well, I'm so excited to have on the podcast today, Lori Hendrickson, the CST. She's another craniosacral therapist, just like myself, but unlike myself, Lori specializes in pediatrics specifically and very often with infants and newborns. And Lori, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, you're, she is passionate about tongue ties and plagiocephaly, which is flathead syndrome and, and babies that just have all these problems that come from all this, that, that we might not even realize. So Lori, thank you so much for being on the better belly podcast. 
Oh, you're welcome, Allison. It's fun to be here. Awesome. Well, to start off the podcast, I just want to give uh, you an op- opportunity to like share about your work. So, so you have a you have a parent who had a baby, and I, I'm sure that they come in at a variety of ages. Um, but they realize at some point the baby's having some problems, and they they probably tell me if I'm wrong, probably been been go- going to their pediatrician, going to maybe some other healthcare practitioners, not getting results, and they end up at your doorstep. And I would like for you to just describe for our listeners what's going on with their child at the time. What are some of the symptoms they may or may not be experiencing? Um, and, and, and why, why is that happening? Okay. Well, that's a loaded question, but I think I can handle it. Um, what I usually get coming through my door are babies that are very uncomfortable in their bodies. They're tight. They're often arching their backs. Their fascia is actually caught in extension. Many of them, well, the majority of them have tongue and lip ties or oral ties of some kind going on as well. And then all of this is exacerbated if a baby is slept on its back all the time and stuck in containers. Um, What do you mean by containers? You know, like, because when their back slept and swaddled, okay, their body is comfortable that way. And it doesn't have a lot of flexing capability and it's not very soft and yielding. So these babies aren't digesting their food very efficiently, you know, or gracefully at Mm -hmm. all. And, you know, we can have these moms eat unicorn meat and it's not (laughs) going to digest. It doesn't really matter what they're eating because the pyloric sphincter and the ileocecal valve and the sigmoid colon all of that is tangled up and caught in, you know, this fascia restriction bubble kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I use with my families, I use the analogy of uh, press and steel, you know, like saran wrap. Yeah. I always have a piece of, of press and seal huh. to show them how it just sticks onto your hand and oh. how you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our fascia is. Yes, our fascia. So we can lift that off. But when you just say fascia to the general public, not many people know what that is. In fact, you'll have a dad think it's something on the eve of a house, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's, you know, kind of a layman term. So I use, I always have a piece of press and seal out on the counter to show them. And then they have the aha moment. So the containers would be like, because these babies are stuck in extension, then they're happier when they're in their car seat or in their rock and play or in their swing. Or even if mama wears her, the baby, the baby wants to be facing out because they're just so caught, you know, tethered from occiput to sacrum. Um, right. So, extension. so, so the babies are really tight and in their body in, in their connective tissue. So it's like this invisible, you know, thing inside of their body. Sometimes I like to even say it's, it's like a stocking or something you put on and, or like a pantyhose and it's like twisted, you know, and it's like, you're uncomfortable. So the baby's, the baby's got this, you know, tissue inside of it. It it's the baby. I'm so curious, right? So the baby still might seem kind of plush or limp, like it's still going to seem soft, right? Like, no, no. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> a baby with no restriction, Allison, will be like a, a sock full of rice, you know, uh-huh. and they're cozy. And when I wish this was live, you know, video because I use Mary. Yeah. Hi, Allison. <laughs> but a baby will just, you know, fall against your body. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Their pectoral girdle will just relax and their pelvic girdle will relax. And you just have this cozy little mushy pile of yumminess, right? No, these babies are pushing away from Mm. anyone that wants to bring them in, you know, with the anterior side of the body towards you. They much prefer this kind of exposure, which is extended exposure. Okay. All right. Which, which is not conducive to really anything comfortable in the human body. It's just not. These babies aren't developing their asymmetrical reflexes because they're put down on their tummy when they're wide awake and they're uncomfortable that way because they're so caught in extension. A lot of those asymmetrical reflexes, you know, that help us start to crawl and really develop some core strength and be able to have a wonderful range of motion in our neck. Those are developed sleeping, Hmm. you know, with big, deep breaths and the ribs open up and the intercostal muscles just are nice and flexible, but no, that's not what we're getting. We're getting compressed intercostal muscles and um, no yielding diaphragmatic membranes. Everything's just kind of dense and hard. Yeah. Now, am I making sense to you? Yeah. So the baby's really tight. And yes. what the parent is seeing is maybe the baby's like leaning away, pushing away. Um, but then they're also having some other symptoms. So their their sleep's impacted, they're crawling maybe and development of movements impacted. They're you've mentioned digestion. They're they're not digesting well. Um, is this a lot of colicky babies too? Yes. Yeah. So Very we got seen. Yeah. Colicky, um, gas problems, just like nothing. Do they, do they burp up a lot too? Like, yep. There's a lot of spitting up. Mm -hmm. There's, um, lots of breastfeeding issues, especially if the ties are really tight. So mom is really sore in her breast and a baby is having a hard time organizing it. Suck, um, settling in comfortably to breastfeed. They're crying all the time. Their babies are miserable more than not. Of course, I get a few babies that come through the door that are just happy, but really those babies are at a disadvantage in a way because they kind of slip under the radar. Yes. You know, if they're just sleeping on their back and they have this big old flat head and they're spitting up all the time, but they're not really fussy, Hmm. it might take the parents a little bit longer to get the help that they need because these babies need to be flexed. Some of them need tie revisions. Okay. So I work with many pediatric dentists in our area, but many of them as well do not need the revision. They just need the fascial flexing. So to get that body out of extension. And so what I do is keep my families very independent of my care by teaching them the stretches that they should do on their baby at home because these babies need these exercises multiple times a day. There isn't a practitioner anywhere that could give them the help that they need that mom and dad can give them. 
So good. So these babies come to you. The overall problem is they're really tight in their fascia and that could be coming from a couple different things. Maybe the tongue ties and, and lip ties can be exacerbating that on, you know, exactly. and that definitely needs some support from other things, but the overall thing is tightness. And then it's, it's just showing up in everything. The baby's fussy, the baby's cry GI stuff. And the parents are just probably exhausted. Do you find that most parents who come to you, they've also like tried a million other people, lactation consultants and yeah, sleep consultants. Yes. It's, it's sad, you know, because babies become a project then and Mm. nobody's enjoying life. You know, mom's not enjoying it. She didn't sign up for this. And I'll tell you what, not enough is said about dads. You know, they feel like they've traded their wife for a baby because she is completely, usually if she's breastfeeding, well, she's the primary caregiver most of the time. And she has no time for him. Yes. So it's really a family um, problem. So I oftentimes make sure when I'm teaching that I tell practitioners, you know, this isn't about babies. This is about families because if the baby's unhappy, everyone in the house down to the dog is unhappy. Yes. 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 But there's Uh, a fix, you know? And that's so good. And, and I really wanted to start us off here with the podcast of just talking about the symptoms and the big picture, because what I find often when I'm talking with clients about craniosacral therapy for infants I've, I repeatedly hear from our clients and we work with a lot of adult adult women, um, and they may or may not have had a baby yet, or they can remember when their kids were this age and they're like, oh yeah, they went through that too. It was horrible. I actually went through that. When you described this, I was like, that sounds like me. And I had developed all these like health problems later on in life. And I'm like, dang it. If only my fashion had been checked. (laughs) However, (laughs) right. Right. Um, I'm like, yeah, I was colicky. I I was fussy. Yeah. I had GI problems. Yeah. I was like, like, this is an interesting thing. Um, however, right. So that's, that's where they're coming from. Now I want to, now that we know what you do and because a lot of people don't understand this, they're like, well, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't my pediatric pediatrician know what's going on or shouldn't they, they'd be able to figure it out. Wouldn't I be told? And that's clearly not happening, unfortunately, for these families that they don't know um, or, or, or they think that the problem is something else. Like you even mentioned, oh, if I, if I change the type of food, maybe that's why they're burping up. And you're like, no, 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 it's, it's actually a different thing in the, in the system. So this is what you do. And it's just mind boggling. Um, but what I want to know next is how did you become so passionate about these topics? Because you know, how did you arrive here at this place that's so unique and different? And it's and it's not lactation consultant, it's not sleep consultant, it's not PT, but it's but it's helping families function in the same way that those those type of support units help families function. Well, that's a great question, and there's an easy answer. The babies called me. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely the truth. I, you know, I, of course, I'm being funny, but we need more humor right? Um, Okay, I wanted to be a cranial sacral therapist. And I wanted to specialize in infants. And this was like 1999. I mean, 2000. And so at first, if anybody has ever seen a baby respond to the cranial sacral protocol, it can be quite uh, amazing. You know, it's really healing. So that did start to happen at first. And then when the AAP put that, you know, back to sleep recommendation in, 
and started to relate to it. And then they started coming home from the hospital with blankets that say back is best and Velcroed shut, um, you know, swaddling these babies and putting them on their backs all night, render, rendering them immobile. Think about it for one minute, rendering them immobile. We stopped seeing that beautiful unwinding kind of re birth retracing response to the protocol. Hmm. And so I started stretching these babies first. You know, I'm like, they're all so stuck in extension and they're so tight. What if I just spent the first 10 minutes of the session flexing them, right? And because babies respond so quickly to anything like that, right? They just, they're not so set in patterns that they can't be guided, you know, to another way. Well, I would, I started flexing these babies and then applying the CST protocol and voila, right? And now it started to become more of my practice to spend a whole first session doing the exercises and not even trying to apply craniosychotherapy. So for some new people that don't understand that about me, they get a little um, fussy because they say that, you know, that's not craniosacral therapy. Well, they are right. You know, and that the blame is on me for not being more constantly transparent. It's not because I don't want to be, it's because it's so redundant, sure. but this is about making an infant's body able to receive the craniosacral protocol mm. by first addressing the fascial restrictions. And it's very easy to do. And you don't need um, a special certificate to be able to stretch the babies. You don't, they need it. They can't wait for that. And moms and dads don't have a special certificate. They just watch and learn and babies really respond to it. Like it's almost when you're stretching them, they're like, oh yes, yes. You know, that's what I needed. That's what I couldn't do. You know, I couldn't move my shoulder up. I couldn't get my little knee under and tucked in my tummy, underneath my tummy, because, you know, they've never had the opportunity to develop those reflexes on their backs. Yeah. So, so you knew what craniosacral therapy was and you knew you wanted to work with babies. And then pretty yeah. early on while you were working with babies, you realized that there, there was, uh, cause, cause craniosacral therapy, we have a whole like curriculum on how to work with infants in a yes. way that's safe and a way that's effective. However, you're doing that. It's, it's in the early two thousands and you start to realize, well, this isn't enough. And so you start really following the fascia and developing your own technique. And this actually gets into something that's one of the reasons I'm just in love with the work you're doing, Lori, and I'm so grateful for it is that you have actually created videos and courses and you do live workshops that are either streaming online or they're in person and you teach um, both health practitioners as well as just moms and dads how to stretch their baby in a way that that is going to help them regardless of if they get craniosacral therapy but will then make the craniosacral therapy more effective when they go to get it exactly okay I mean, which is just you phenomenal. It, it's so exciting to me um, because first off, like, I think that a lot of people can feel like 
when they're going to see a health practitioner, sometimes they wonder, well, is there anything I can do myself? And not everyone's found that solution. And it's like, there's this little genius. Um, I feel like this is a really good part of your work that you just teach other people how to do. It was natural to you and it could be natural for other people. And that's one of the really unique things about you, Lori. And I, I have not actually taken one of your courses yet, but I it's on my list to do this year, partly because I'm having a baby this year. So <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yay. I don't think we discussed that. So I'm, I'm like also slightly biased and I've been following you for way, way before being pregnant, but you know, um, I'm in my second trimester right now, uh, as of this recording, oh, the best. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just, I also, you never know where your baby's going to be and you can do all your best things to take care of it and to birth as well as possible, et cetera. But the baby is where it is and it wasn't your fault. And we just help ourselves. We want to be able to have tools to get the baby to a place where it can, it can thrive and we can thrive. Right. Cause that's very important. It's right. about the whole unit, the whole family unit. Yeah. And you're helping people do that. Now, one thing that you, so you filled out a form for us prior to this call, just kind of explaining things you're passionate talking about. And one of the things that you said caught my attention. It said, you're passionate about talking about the tongue tie and lip tie epidemic. And that word really stuck out to me. And I wanted to know, are I actually, I'm not an expert in this at all. Are tongue ties and lip ties on the rise? And if so, um, are you, do you have any idea why? I would love to hear more on that. Well, this is a heated debate within our tribe and I'm not going to pretend that I know the answer because right. I don't, <laughs> and I don't think anyone does. And we're going to need a couple decades, you know, behind us before we really understand. Um, I have seen more lip and tongue ties than ever before. However, I wasn't always looking for them. Hmm. You know, now we're just more aware that they are there. And sometimes babies and moms really benefit from having those ties revised. Um, and the very popular way to do that now is to go to a pediatric dentist usually, and they use a laser machine. Uh, and sometimes you're lucky and you find someone that actually uses a cold scalpel, which is kind of my favorite way to do it. If it needs to be done, just seems like it's more thorough and it lasts, hmm. but okay. those people are kind of hard to find, but not all babies need it. So the way I determine whether or not I'm going to refer a mom and baby on to one of these practitioners is if the baby isn't looking good. It's so important to use our eyes and looking at babies and not just the scale, how much they weigh, um, all of their symptoms. Mm -hmm. If a baby's looking not extremely full of vitality. Hmm. So, so a baby that's failing, and I don't even like to use that word, but I think everyone will understand it if I do, you know, a baby that's not really thriving, that's not something very subtle. That is very obvious. They will be yellow. They will have dry skin. Their eyes might even be a little yellow on the whites of their eyes. And they're not, you know, vital. They're not crying really loudly. They're not wetting their diapers a lot and pooping and all of the things that we look for in babies, right? 
So that kind of a baby, if that baby comes through my door, I don't hesitate because something now needs to change so that this baby can more efficiently take in its food, whether it's Mm. breastfeeding or a bottle, because there are bottle fed babies that are so tight that they're not organizing their suck enough even to get that down. Wow. So that's happening. But then I'll also get a baby that might be tight, you know, might have a tight tongue, kind of holding that tongue a little bit to the floor of the mouth. Um, The lip, upper lip frenulum looks really thick and tight, but they're nursing like a champ. They look really good. They're sleeping, they're pooping, they're peeing, they're getting their gas out. And unless I see that frenulum completely wrapping around the upper gum line, uh, let's, let's try some oral stretches. Let's just see what mom could maybe do to make that more flexible. Because, and the reason to even, you know, try to make a decision whether to be revised or not to revised is that some of these babies get revised and there is no change mm. in what's happening with their lives. We call those babies Berg ties. So, you know, in the industry, they refer to a baby sometimes as a Berg tie or a flow tie. Have you heard that before? I personally have not. Tell us what it is. It's just like an iceberg or an ice flow. So an ice flow, if you chop it off from its source, it floats away and it's free, right? Yes. But a bird, but an iceberg, as much as you see above the water is also going on below the water. So some of these babies, if they have a lot of facial restriction connected to their tongue ties or their lip ties, just getting the mouth revised isn't going to give you a Christmas miracle. Okay. You're going to go home and, you know, you're going to, going to have much of the same problem. So whether or not you revise or, or don't, the baby's still going to need the fascial flexing work. And that's great to hear. Cause that actually, to me connects with some of our adult clients that we've worked with. So we've had some, we've, we found a couple of clients who've had ongoing, like their bodies always tense. I'll use one in one particular, just like details. So she was, she did yoga. Um, like she was into rock climbing. She was very, you know, just ate healthy food. Um, but she constantly was getting these headaches and neck pain and migraines. And it was very clear to her that a lot of the pain and the tension felt like it was in the back of her head, but no matter how much she stretched or how much she strengthened her muscles, she ended up seeing a chiropractor. She saw me, um, to, to work with her craniosacral system, she would see improvement, but it was always like, she was like, it's like, she was reliving this like cycle. It's like groundhog day or something. She'd, you know, three steps forward, three steps back, three steps forward, three steps back. And I have a friend or actually have, uh, I ended up getting an office neighbor who's an orofacial myofunctional therapist. And I don't know if you've worked with them before Lori, and I'm, we'll link the, we had, um, Madison is her name. We had Madison come onto the podcast and actually talk about this, but she checked out this client of mine and she had this massive tongue tie that was undiagnosed. She goes and gets that thing snipped. And now all of a sudden, all of her exercises that she was doing for the chiropractor, all the work we're doing as a craniosacral therapist, it's like holding, she's, she's maintaining improvement, her digestion's better, her, her migraines and headaches significantly reduced. And it sounds like that's kind of 
know what you're saying. Like sometimes everything's really up in that tongue tie and sometimes it's in the rest of the body and you just snipping the tongue tie is not enough. And so you're looking at the, both the tongue tie and lip tie, but also the whole body. What's the whole body showing? Where else are we, are we getting this? Um, I, I, I'm curious, have you ever, do you ever work with orofacial myofunctional therapists? Yes. In fact, I just taught a workshop in Iowa for a myofunctional therapist who is also a dental hygienist. So she was really all, you know, about the interoral. It's so exciting to have more practitioners that are aware of all of this work and have their little angle, you know, to get in and help people. And that we can point to each other because that's one of the, one of the helpful things. A lot of times as a parent, you're like, well, what does my child need? And you don't know. And you really want to be able to go to someone who at least has enough knowledge, not just on their field and exactly their technique, but what other, how other techniques integrate, like, oh, I know what it's how, how a, a, a laser, you know, dent pediatric dentistry, like, you know, tongue tie is different than a, than a metal one, a cold cold, I forgot what it's called. Not, I want to say suture scalpel. Um, and you know, (laughs) you understand the oral facial myofunctional therapist and how this all integrates and where, what, what the parent may or may not even need. So they're not wasting their time. Um, really, really great, great to hear that. And I love, love hearing. And I think even want to highlight to our listeners again, one more time, the fact that sometimes it's not just, well, I got the tongue tie snipped and, and they're, they're still having problems. It could still be in the body and vice versa. Maybe they haven't found a tongue tie, um, that is there and just needs to be looked at again. And I am really curious, how often are you seeing that? Because I know at least with the adults we work with, we're, 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 we're learning how to actually in our craniosacral clinic, um, identify like, Hey, we think you should go and get, uh, evaluated if you have a tongue tie or not. And we're getting, we're, we're getting really good at identifying them sometimes based off of symptoms, sometimes based off of body posture and flexibility, um, and the head, neck, shoulders, et cetera. But I'm wondering, are you finding that, do you find tongue ties in even babies that were not found by the pediatrician or anyone else? Very often. Yes. And I just think that's because there's just some catching up to do in the industries, right? For um, practitioners to be able to assess all the different levels of tongue ties and lip ties and you know buccal ties up here yeah up the gum line. yeah you know it's just going to take a little while for everyone to know what to be looking for especially if a baby looks good and they're breastfeeding all of that can be missed and sometimes it's okay to be missed because it can be addressed later but there are also times where it would be very beneficial to just go ahead and get early i think We'll have a better idea about how important that is to catch it early in a couple decades. <laughs> right. You know, we, we're just still, yeah. I do get parents sometimes saying, and, and another question I had for you is sometimes um, the parent is talking to the pediatrician uh, and, and I've had actually had this repeatedly happen. And so um, fast, I'm very interested in what you have to say on this parent is talking to pediatrician about baby and, 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 and pediatrician says they'll outgrow this. And then they come to me 
And they say, well, then I went to a craniosacral therapist and this person said that, that there's a lot of restrictions in the body and they should be dealt with now. And they're getting conflicting input from two different sources and they don't know which one to believe. Like, is the baby just going to outgrow it? Can they wait? Or like, should they do something now? What have you, I'm not trying to, I'm, and I don't want you to like be the one to figure out the, the sometimes discrepancies that can happen in a healthcare system, but, but what have you I'm, I'm guessing you've seen that before people come to you and say, well, the PD, our doctor has said the baby's fine, but we just don't feel that way. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's going through that or may in the future go through it where the, their doctor or primary care physician says everything's okay, but they just don't feel that way or, or they're not sure? Yeah, it's very simple. Um, let's look at the baby. Let's look and see. If a mom and a dad are bringing a baby to me up north, Minnesota woods, wherever <laughs> I am, they find, you know, there's something going on, right? So I'm not in the convincing business, which is so liberating. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. I'll just say, let's look. What do you think? You know, and they've got this baby that can't even reach his little arm above his head. He, he's not comfortable at all. It doesn't matter if he'll outgrow it. The problem is right now. So guess what? This is so fixable. Here's five stretches. Go home. Do it. And send me a picture in five days because you're going to have a completely different baby. And they do. Whether it's revised or not, they're still going to have a softer baby. In fact, the uh, dentists that I work with, they, they would rather have parents kind of prep baby first if there's no emergency to get a tie done you know if baby's feeding okay they would rather have that baby a little bit out of you know fight or flight mode and a little Mm. bit more flexed um, before Mm. they do the procedure they're just having better luck with a baby that's not so tense yeah that will receive the release sooner but here's a problem though this is what we have to be very sensitive about most of these families are young families. They are not millionaires. Mm. And they've been to the pediatrician, the chiropractor, the lactation consultant, you know, probably an occupational therapist, who knows, before they get to a craniosacral therapist. I mean, it's a lot of money. And now these dentists, you know, they've purchased a $40,000 laser machine. So they're charging sometimes $600 a tie. Okay. So that's a real problem and we can't solve it or talk about stretching exercises without also recognizing that this can be a very expensive thing. Mm. So that's another reason why I'm teaching these stretches so that babies can get kind of a one-stop shop sometimes, right? Yeah. And, and 24 seven, 24 seven support. Like if, if the baby needs a stretch at night before it goes to bed, boom, mom and dad's there. (laughs) Yes. Boom. Exactly. I just want to give powers back to families. And, and you are, that's why, and that's why I was, I've been, I've been like, Lori, you got to be on the podcast. You got to be on the podcast, Lori. Um, and, and they actually got delayed for a couple of reasons. And I'm just so excited for when this comes out. And and for our listeners, I, I'd i say 
Lori has a phenomenal Instagram. Um, and if you're Facebook, I know you're on Facebook too. If your Facebook's um, linked up in the same way, then I mean, either on Facebook, on Instagram, we're going to have links in our show notes to connect with Lori, but she's got pictures. So if you're like trying to imagine what she talking about, the baby looks tight. You've got phenomenal before and after pictures of the same baby, one, one where they're tight and one where like literally, and you usually describe like, this is after just the parent doing stretches, or this is after one or two cranial sessions and the stretches or all sorts of stuff you've had. I've, I, I have to admit, I've really zoned in on so many of your posts and I've heard, I've seen stuff where grandparents are administering this to the, to the children. Um, you just make it so accessible and so learnable clearly, um, where people can do it and it's safe. Like the baby's fine. And, um, and people are empowered and it, you're right. Isn't costing them out the door or anything. I actually was again, stalking you, uh, which I consider a compliment. So, <laughs> and you make yourself just, there's so many, so much juicy stuff that you are providing for people, but you have like a seven video bundle, um, which is just $50 right now, at least as of this recording. And you have something like a torticollis stretch, an acid reflex stretch, a constipation and colic stretch, um, pelvic girdle, uh, you know, the, the, um, thoracic, just thinking thoracic cavity, but, yeah. um, these stretches are so, I mean, it's just seven videos and then you also have, of course, your either in-person or live stream trainings um, as well, where you dive even deeper into, um, you know, how you can support your baby with craniosacral and stretching. So anyways, that being said, for our listeners, if you're listening to her and you're like, you know, Lori has created all this stuff to, to both educate people so you can even get a better sense of how do I evaluate, like should, does my baby maybe need more than, than what we've already tried. And then even just the resources to like, boom, get those videos, get the training and try some of these things out right away. So Lori, thank you so much for, for leading the way and really, really stepping out there and providing these things for so many families. You're welcome. It's a privilege. So one of the things I wanted to, to, and, and some people might, I just want to even give some breathing space to, to this question. We've kind of already touched on a little bit, but I would love to hear for you. What, what, how do you see babies change after this craniosacral therapy and stretching? Like what, what's different about these babies? Well, mostly what's wonderful is that it's so obvious that the babies are more comfortable in their bodies. So they're, mostly because babies are all about eating, right? They're all about food and how's my tummy feel? And can I get, you know, can I get my poop out? You know, yeah. <laughs> and can I sleep and whatever? They're so wonderfully simple. Oh, I just love that about them. And so don't, what's good about babies is you don't have any bias like you would want. No overthinking at all. What you see is what you get. So you have a baby that's super tight and uncomfortable and cranky and just their faces even closed off and their little brow is all furrowed. Ugh. And then what you see in a few days of mom and dad doing the stretches is this relaxed baby, just happy to be there. You know, you can hear the gas leave. <laughs> not, they're not so grunty, grunt, grunt, grunt. And they're just not so unhappy. 
and you see mm. them start looking around and, oh, they're happy to be here. Oh, this is what it's like. Yeah. You know, oh, there's my little, there's my big sister. Yes. There's my doggy. Oh, there's mama's face. And they're not preoccupied all the time with trying to feel better or trying to let us know that something's wrong, which means that they're crying a lot. Yeah. So it's very, so it's nothing you have to have an SOP for. You're just going to see the baby looking better. Yeah. Feeling better. Yep. Um, what happens quickly. I believe I saw this on your, on your Instagram. I, there was a baby that it was crawling and it, you're talking about that asymmetrical, um, coordination. So the ability to like move one arm versus and not move the other and then switch. So kind of like army crawl or something, same with the legs. Um, I think it was this video that you had of a baby and it couldn't, it really couldn't move one side of its body. So it would crawl kind of like leaning on its left arm, almost like a crutch and then like pulling itself and kind of pulling, pushing with its right arm and leg. It was just like kind of an interesting thing it had developed just to get moving forward. And then showed it afterwards of, I don't remember what exactly it might've been a stretching and cranial or just stretching, but then the baby's just all of a sudden it's doing both. And, and you can see these, this developmental change as well, where it looks like, oh, the baby's not developing, right. Maybe it's something neurological. It's like, no, it's fascial. (laughs) Like the baby can't stretch the arm because it's, because it's (laughs) pinned down, man. Yeah. It's very simple. I love it. Um, I lost my train of thought. Let's see. I was going to say, so you got babies that are, I mean, their lives really change after this work. Is there an age limit to like when you can, when, when you're not able to do this kind of infant stretching anymore? Cause I, I've seen some of the stretches. I'm like, that would be hard to do on an adult sometimes just because adults are huge and maybe because <laughs> they're, they're more, um, our ligaments are firmer, all this stuff going on. Is there kind of an, if someone's thinking I've got a five-year-old, is that too old? Or I yeah. What have you seen as far as age-wise people being able to use your course and information? Well, the earlier we get babies, the better always. Okay. But, you know, you can apply fascial stretching and flexing to any age. You yes. really can. But again, you're going to have so much more muscle memory and and habitual posturing on older children, you know, so it's harder to break through that. You can, oh yes, but let's get these babies. Let's just wake up, (laughs) start looking at our babies, right? And throw away the scales. Let's look at our babies again and feel them and, and know, and know. Okay. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of, flexing them and getting them out of that, you know, that supine posture. It's just, it's not healthy in supine, any way. Yeah. Meaning to have they're, a baby they're, they're yeah, to on have their backs, constantly on their up. backs. Right. Yeah. Yep. Or in containers or facing out when you're holding them all the time. It's just so much stimulation in so many ways. Yeah. You know, it, if there's a little cute little exercise that everyone can do, um, if you find a spot on your floor, okay, go on your tummy 
and just re- relax on the floor and have your kids run around, have someone's cell phone go off, ring the doorbell, slam the door, <laughs> have the dog bark, do all that. And then flip <laughs> over on your back and have that same thing happen. And you will be absolutely amazed huh. at the difference. How much more we can cope with gracefully when we're not overexposed to the elements all the time. So it's a fun little trick that I have my parents try to convince them if they need convincing, which they rarely do, but just to kind of know what it's like to be in their baby's skin, constantly facing out at Target, the grocery store, the mall, grandma's house, your own house. If you've got more than a couple kids, it's a lot. I've never heard that before as far as like facing up and down. And you definitely have in your description just now mentioned that some of the discomfort with, with facing out towards something opposed to facing inwards towards yourself is you're definitely picking up on more of the stimulus. You're hearing things more, you're, right. you're seeing the color and the light and the motion. And, um, but is there anything I'm the gears of my little science head are turning. Is there anything else behind that, that, you know, of that, that is impacting the nervous system that way, lying on our backs versus on our bellies. You mean in an um, anatomical perspective, Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else other than, and, and, and maybe I'm just digging for something that's not there, but, uh, it's probably there. I just haven't named it. I, okay. no one, I'm sure it's named. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know what the name is. You, you, but you just know it works. <laughs> it's yes, there it it's and I'm okay with practical. That. Yeah. It's very practical. I know. I love practical. I have to admit though, I'm also extremely driven by all the nerdy little science stuff, So, uh-huh. but, but that's great. I, I, I can imagine it, you know, um, other than laying face down, sometimes being like our head or neck is uncomfortable. Yes. It's, it's, it's much more kind of protected in that way. Awesome. I, I mean, you've done a really amazing job today, Lori, just reintroducing us to, to this concept that babies can be tight They're not all like plump little marshmallows when they come out the womb. We're not crazy if they do seem a little stiff. Um, I have to admit um, some of the things that, that I think I, I have no idea. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a manual therapist. I don't touch babies a lot. The ones I have touched usually have felt pretty, pretty marshmallowy. However, you show these really fascinating photos of like babies holding up their fists, looking like they're ready to punch (laughs) you or different things. And, and I think in my mind, I was like a hundred percent, just looking at a photo. I know for me with my training prior to seeing these photos and you kind of pointing them out, I would just thought, Oh, look at that. That's so funny. The baby's hands are in a, in a fist and he looks like he's going to fist a cuffs you or something, or the legs are all curled up and he looks like he's going to kick you in the face. Um, and yet you really say like, no, actually that's a, that's a visual sign of fascial tension. You don't even, you don't even have to touch someone to, to see that in the baby. And so um, I, I don't know, maybe I, I think that there's a possibility potentially that parents don't even realize that the baby has tension. Cause that's how the baby's always felt, but you know, you coming on today, I really hope that, um, for our listeners, whether they are going to have a family in the future or have one right now that they can just really process and think through that. Um, and, and maybe feel comforted. There's something they can do and they're not imagining the discomfort and 
in maybe their child's body and maybe they're older now, maybe they're 12 or, or whatever it is, but, but you can always go back and say, okay, let's chuck for a tongue tie. Let's look at craniosacral therapy. Let's look at fascial release, um, for our children. And, and I've often seen just huge changes, um, in our, in our pediatric population above age five that we work with. And then our adult population as well, when we really address that, those fascial restrictions. So thank you so much for bringing that, that education to us and, and bringing awareness for our listeners. Is there anything else that you'd like to end off with or anything we didn't touch on today um, that you'd like to share with people or something that you're, you just always want everybody to hear about or know about? Yeah, I always want people to hear that this is good news, that we're talking about something that's a little bit uncomfortable and kind of sad because we all love babies, right? (laughs) Everyone loves the babies. So this is a good thing. This is good news. Um, It should liberate families and empower them. And nobody has to be stressed out about the subject matter because we have an angle now. And it's very easy and very practical and it gets the work done. And I also want the public to know that you can find all of the stretches I use on babies. You can find them on my social media for free. You can just, it's easy to go to Facebook, tap on videos, and then there's a vortex. So you want to scroll down to stretches, tap on that, and you'll find some videos. Now, the reason I did the video bundle is because it's a little more comprehensive. Mm. I'm actually teaching. The videos you find for free are all of yours. Please take them, use them. Um, They're just not teacher focused. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I offer the bundle, but otherwise it's all free for all y'all. No, it's so great. Awesome. So, and and we're going to have links in our show notes. So if you're listening right now and you're just like, this is amazing. I can't wait to see all the testimonials and the before and after photos. And what are they talking about? You can go to at Lori Hendrickson CST on Instagram. She's also on Facebook. We'll have links. So you can catch the spelling of all that. Um, You can attend a, a workshop live, either live streaming online or in person options. Um, you can check out the seven video bundle um, and overall just really know that there's so much more for your baby, so much more for your family. You're not failing as a mom or dad, and it's not your fault. Like babies can just, they, you go through trauma when you give birth, they go through a little bit of pressure as well and, and different things happen and, and, but all of that can be unwound. And, uh, Laura, you are making that just a little bit easier for everyone uh, who is listening and, and honestly, probably around the world. Do you get people from around the world? I'm guessing watching your videos too. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I yes. love it. Yes. All around the world. So uh-huh. great. Awesome. Well, Lori, thank you so much for being on the better belly podcast. It's been great having you on. You're welcome here. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And one thing I wanted to tag on as we're finishing up this episode is if you are anything like me and you know, like your, your mom, your dad has talked about how you were a fussy child and as a baby, you had a hard time sleeping or you were colicky, you burped up a lot. You just didn't have an easy time. You were not an easy baby. Then if you like myself have heard that, I would encourage you 
Also, if you're, no matter what age you are, find a craniosacral therapist and visceral manipulation practitioner and get some therapy. You likely have tight fascia in your body that even that really massage, chiropractic care, they're not, it's not going to quite get it in the same way that craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation does. So if you have any of that in your health history, even as an adult, I encourage you today to go and find a craniosacral therapist and visceral manipulation practitioner. And if you are listening and you do have a baby or a child of any age who's having sleep problems, feeding problems, eating problems, crankiness, fussiness, just just uncomfortable in their body, I would encourage you also, you can find a craniosacral therapist and visceral manipulation practitioner using my easy guide that I've put together on my website uh, at betterbellytherapies.com slash find. I put this together recently. It has images, it has pictures, how you can use the simple tool online to find a therapist near you who's not just near you, but who's actually qualified and good. So use that guide to find your next best therapist for yourself or your child. Also, if you want to learn more about craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, I have a free download available for you of my, an excerpt of chapter six and seven from my book, Stop Stomach Pain. You can go to betterbellytherapies.com slash download, or click the link in the show notes to download those chapters now and learn even more about craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation and how they can help you and your child with digestion. Other things to keep in mind is if you want to connect with Lori, you can go to at Lori Hendrickson on Instagram or Facebook. We have links in the show notes. You can attend a live workshop or you could buy her seven video bundle. All of these have amazing information and I would highly recommend any of these if you are looking for the next step in healing in you yourself or your child. And lastly, I want to invite you, if you thought of a friend as you were listening to this episode, I just encourage you, take a screenshot, text it to that friend and say, hey, I'm thinking of you. I know you have a child going through this thing. I know that you've struggled with some of these things. This might find be interesting to you. It is so helpful when we just share the love and share our resources with other people around us. And I want to invite you to do the same today to bring hope and healing to somebody important to you in your life. And to end us off, just a reminder, our motto, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. Catch you guys next week.